time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, if anyone needed a Hive O'Clock Alarm this morning, it would be fans of the North Carolina Tar Heels. That loss was brutal, and I certainly count myself as one of those fans, an alumni, both David Walker and I are alums, and uh, Justin Thomas, who is my co-host on the Thursday show, was in Chapel Hill. He's a fan of the Tar Heels, wanted to rush Franklin Street, but it just uh, wasn't to be as uh, Villanova takes down North Carolina and and took down my co-host, David Walker, who is still recovering, but he'll be back for tonight's uh, Hive Talk Live at 6 o'clock p.m. on HiveTalkLive.com. It was certainly the greatest finish, maybe to any tournament game, but certainly to a championship game. It's tough to appreciate, I think, if you're if you're a Heels fan, because you know even you wanted to see it go to overtime. I think I was I was talking to a friend and I said I could have I think I could have processed a loss better had it been in overtime, but to not get that opportunity was was very tough to handle. And you won't hear anything about the officiating, I don't think, because of how amazing that finish was. Anyone who talks about the terrible, awful, no good, bad officiating in that game will probably be summarily shut down because you had two uh, behemoth offenses going mano a mano at the end of the game and Villanova you know, just just made the shot at the end, and Roy Williams after the game just saying, "What what do you say to your kids?" And I think, you know, I didn't I didn't watch college basketball as closely as I have in previous years, and certainly not as I wasn't as invested in the team as I was in 2009, my senior year at Carolina. But I just felt for the kids, and I think it would have been the same way had Villanova lost because they played a hell of a game. And I, I wasn't, you know, I don't I don't think any sane. Tar Heel fan could be too upset with Villanova because those kids played their asses off. And, you know, it's just one of those situations where one team has to lose. That's the, you know, that's the thing that everyone says, and it's true. Uh, I will tie this back into the Hornets. Uh, Michael Jordan, owner of the Charlotte Hornets, was the first to speak to the Tar Heels, uh, I guess besides Roy Williams, was the first to speak to the Tar Heels after, after the loss. And Marcus Page quoted here in the Charlotte Observer is saying, I look up and see the greatest player that ever played basketball assuring us and saying it's okay, that he's proud of us, that we made him proud to be a Tar Heel and to be a Tar Heel alum, that you can't be a great winner without having to experience struggles and losses and how to use this as fuel. So there you go. I mean, if anyone is an expert on taking adversity and using it as fuel it's Michael Jordan. He's trying to uh, speak to a couple of players in there who could be going on and, and, and making NBA careers out of this championship loss. And that's what you have to do. You have to take just beyond comprehension uh, devastation and turn that into something positive. And, I mean, you saw Bryce Johnson, how emotional he was after the game. And it, even 
this morning, I'm sure for, for some of those kids, it's, it's impossible to fathom how this could be a good thing. But hopefully they'll take the words of Michael Jordan and I'm sure countless others and make this adversity part one of a several part look at their career. And, you know, probably the toughest thing I think for, for heels fans is that this championship game being the best championship game probably ever, it will be played over and over and, and suddenly you're, you're on the losing end of a, of a moment. And that's always tough. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the Hornets. The Hornets have a another big game tonight. Hornets at the Toronto Raptors. Tip is at 7.30 p.m. at the Air Canada Center. And this is a big one. I, I think if you're looking for the Hornets to have a chance at a three or a four seed, you were looking at this two-game series against Cleveland and Toronto and saying the Hornets have to split this one. This is important. They have to, not only because you know they need the victory, they need a victory. They can't afford two games, two losses in a row when when all of the other teams are so close. But also because it would prove that the Hornets could hang with competition. And unfortunately, you know injuries are an issue right now for the Charlotte Hornets. Al Jefferson listed as questionable with a right quad injury, and Nick Batum questionable with that left knee sprain. Although good news to report on that front uh, again from uh, the Charlotte Observer. It looks like that Nick Batum knee sprain that we talked about yesterday morning, not serious, not long-term, like Jimmy Butler's knee sprain that kept him out for several weeks, more like that Doug McDermott knee sprain that we talked about that had him day-to-day, probably some swelling, probably some bruising, but I expect them to, to rest Nick Batum. I know this is an important game, but Nick Batum is too important to this team Whatever seed they are in the playoffs, you got to have Nick Batum, and you don't want to make that knee any worse. So I expect them to hold Nick Batum out, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see him play because he is such a competitor. The last game that the Hornets and Raptors played, the Raptors won 104 94 all the way back on January 1st. The Raptors shot over 45% from beyond the arc. They grabbed 20 offensive rebounds, outscored the Hornets 30 to 12 in the fourth quarter. A lot of different personnel in that game to now. Damari Carroll played in that game. And then on the Hornets side, you had you know Brian Roberts and P.J. Harrison getting significant minutes. Uh, Lynn missed that game. Spencer Hawes missed that game. And, of course, they did not have Courtney Lee at the time. So you really have two different teams going at one another right now, but they are both heading in positive directions. Now, the Raptors decided to rest DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, who was listed with an elbow injury against the San Antonio Spurs the other night. So both of those stars for the Raptors are expected to play, and that means all of a sudden you have to pay attention to the Raptors' bench because it's one of the best. It's the probably the least talked about nationally bench in the league, but it, it could possibly be one of the best Uh, because you've got not only do you have Corey Joseph Bismack Biombo, Pat Patterson but then you throw in Norman Powell who was a second round pick played with the 905 the Raptors D-League team 
but now he's scoring. He can score 17. He can hit from beyond the arc, and he can lock down on defense. And he's smaller, but you can play him in a Damari Carroll-type role and tell him, hey, go out there and shut down their best perimeter player, whoever that might be. So he's he's a real threat, and he's getting big minutes. And, and it got me to thinking, you know, with examples like Norman Powell in Toronto, but also Josh Richardson in Miami, you've got two second-round picks in the Eastern Conference playing significant minutes. I, I just wonder if the Hornets should take a harder look at the second round. Rich Cho, known for trading away those second rounders, either on draft night or or near the deadline, it it hasn't been a priority for the Hornets. And that may be, I mean, you look at a situation like Aaron Harrison, who looks like he's got several skills that could be translatable into the NBA, but he's forced to play an eerie, He's forced to play on a D-League team that they can't control. They can't, you know, have him work on specific things or get, or have a specific role on that team. And so you hope with the, the addition of the Greensboro Swarm D-League team that the Hornets could start to prioritize second-round picks. Second-round picks are so rarely home runs like Josh Richardson and Norman Powell. And you don't know how either of their careers are going to ultimately turn out, but you do know this, that with a second-round player, they're going to fight with everything they have to make a roster. They're going to bring, and Aaron Harrison does this as well, even though he was he was undrafted, you know, signed to the team, they bring an intensity to practice, to games when they're inserted, because they're fighting for their careers every night and if you do happen to find that diamond in the rough like Norman Powell or Josh Richardson then you can sign them to guaranteed deals for three years for relatively nothing because if you're a second rounder you're not guaranteed any money so if a team comes along and says look we want to give you a contract you're going to say yeah of course guaranteed money I'm on a team for three years so hopefully, again, Greensboro Swarm, new D-League team, the Hornets will start to look at that. My key matchup for tonight, Kimball Walker versus Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry struggling with his shot right now in the last five games, 27% from the field and 27% from beyond the arc. He's only averaging 15 points per game. So Kyle Lowry struggling. DeMar DeRozan could look to pick up the slack in terms of shooting, and that would be a good thing for the Hornets because when when DD, when DeMar DeRozan goes inside, that's where the Hornets have an issue. Kimball Walker has averaged 22.5 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists in 2 games with Toronto this season despite only shooting 19% from beyond the arc. And, and you talk about lineups, especially with Al Jefferson and Nick Batum, uh, may not play. And and I probably expect both of them to be out. Maybe Al Jefferson makes a return, depending on how that quad feels. But I think at this point in the season, you know, you wanna you wanna get this victory. You certainly want to do that, but you don't want to further injure your chances at having a fully healthy team when it comes to be playoff time. So 
Toronto has a big starting lineup with DeMar DeRozan and James Johnson, who is 6'9 at the three position. So I think yesterday morning I suggested you may see Lynn start, but now I think if, if Al Jefferson and Nick Batum both sit, you could see Frank Kaminsky start at the four and then the Hornets you know, use a bench of Lynn, Lamb, and Hawes and just go eight-man rotation, possibly... You know, you see Tyler Hansborough getting to that mix. I don't know. But they went pretty thin on the rotation in the last game. But this is this is a team in Toronto that brings size in the starting lineup. But then they have Pat Patterson who can hit three-pointers. He's averaging, he, he's taking more three-pointers as a big than any other type of shot, and he's hitting them at an above-league average rate. And then Bismack Biombo, we know that guy. We're familiar with his talents. He's a great he's great on the offensive board, so you always have to be careful with him. And if you're Spencer Hawes, your main focus can't be scoring. If you're Spencer Hawes, your main focus has to be keep Bismack Biombo off of the offensive boards. And that will give the bench unit who has you know, Spencer Hawes has been a, a net positive within a net negative bench performance the past few games. So I, I you know, Spencer Hawes I think has to play really well in this game for the Hornets to have a chance, and the bench as a whole has to step up and and prove themselves against one of the better bench units in the NBA. Again, that tip, 7.30 p.m. We tip off our show at 6 p.m., and it's a big one. We talk with Jonathan Abrams, author of Boys Among Men, a book all about guys that made the leap from high school to the NBA. One of those guys, Al Jefferson, on the Charlotte Hornets. We'll talk with him about the, the infamous 96 Kobe draft, and we also have a great feature in store. We talked to some of the players about the prep to pro transition. Good stuff ahead. 6 p.m. HiveTalkLive.com. Until then, all hail the teal and purple.